4: This is straight out of Vegas. Straight out of Vegas, with the voice
0: of Vegas, your host R.J. Bell.
5: Paid that man his money. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge.
0: Live from the Vegas Strip,
6: the pregame show America has always wanted. Here's Bernie Fratto. Now, was it me, or did it seem like the first round of the NBA playoffs took forever? Well, as our good buddy Dan Rivera likes to say, you got to live life through the windshield, not the rearview mirror. So tonight we look ahead. And on that note, welcome back to another award-winning edition of Straight Out of Vegas, the weekend adaptation. I'm Bertie Fratter. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. And tonight I want to focus on the Eastern Division of the NBA. Who will represent the East in the NBA Finals? And, you know, here comes the big question, Pee-wee. Will Brooklyn, will the Brooklyn Nets reward the backers of this fantasy team that was cobbled together for precisely this moment? I will weigh in. Plus, the Stanley Cup playoffs are raging. And in about 15 minutes, we'll be joined by Chris Chapman of the Las Vegas uh, Golden Knights, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights broadcast team. And, uh, look, I will tell you, hockey in Vegas is huge. It's a sight to behold. They came also close in 2018, uh, and uh, they've got a shot again this year to win the Stanley Cup. That is uh, later on after Brian Fenley's update, I'm going to give you the latest on Deshaun Watson. I bet you forgot about him, didn't you? Well, don't. And uh, what's the significance of Deshaun Watson and 48 hours? I will explain. And on that note, welcome back to another award-winning edition of Straight Out of Vegas: The Weekend Adaptation. Of course, we close down the show with Mackinac Sports to stretch your mind and give you the kind of data you can only find on this show. Sports are entertainment, but they're more than that. They are a shared experience, so people want to talk about them. You've come to the right place. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. This is Straight out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. As they say in Alex Rodriguez, Minnesota, it's going to be lit. By the way, at the end of the show, I've got a major announcement. Stay tuned for that one. You know, comedic... Actress Lily Tomlin once famously said I always wanted to be somebody. I just wish I'd been more specific Well, such is the case with the Eastern Conference of the NBA see for the first time in a while fans well they're going to be treated to a fresh entrant from the East and In the NBA Finals, uh, they'll have a different look this year So I want to take a minute to break down the final four as it were and analyze their odds their biggest concerns why they could do it. One standout factoid that we should not ignore about each team. But before I do, I want to take a minute also to highlight a couple of observations I've made about the Brooklyn Nets, and they've become a media darling. And frankly, they are prohibitive favorites to win the whole thing, plus 160. That means if you risk a hundred dollars, you only bring back 160, or as opposed to. If you like the Clippers as of yesterday, you risk that same $100, you bring back 900 but I digress. Let's take a look at this Brooklyn Nets uh, team for just a second, and these are some observations I've made. First of all, the big three, well, they are a handful. We know this already, but seeing Harden, Durant, and Irving go off prior to today through their five-game series, Brooklyn's big three combined for 86 points a game. And the Nets have had the best offense, 128 points per 100 possessions, by a wide margin through the first round of the playoffs. And you know, Utah's behind them, but they're well behind them. And they, you know, the team didn't even have James Harden today; he went out, and we'll see if that becomes an issue. But what's even more interesting is, you know, how Brooklyn's getting the job done. They've achieved it through some pretty good passing, and they've relied heavily on isolations their second and isolation plays. They were they were they were second in isolation plays during the regular season, and the Nets have relied a lot on Isos as a vehicle to score, working very well. Actually, 26% of their possessions end up in isolation. Frankly, their defense has held up so far. The Nets were not great on defense this year, but they held their own against the Celtics roster that was clearly lacking some of their offensive weapons. And look, Boston was a mash unit, right? Jalen Brown was down; they lost Kemba Walker, and Robert Williams, he, he got injured in the middle of the series, and the Celtics, you had to buy a program so you could you know figure out who players like Romeo Langford and Peyton Pritchard and Aaron Nesmith were. And, uh, you know, although Boston was ranked third in offensive rebounding during the regular season and it was a weakness for the Nets, well, the Nets actually out-rebounded Boston by the end of the series when you added up all the numbers. I do think there are some supporting cast questions for the Brooklyn Nets. They only had four players average double figures during the five-game series against Boston, and three of them were their superstars. The other was Joe Harris. Now, since the Nets always have Harden, Durant, Irving on the floor, except for today, it shouldn't be a major concern. Now, if Brooklyn's trio, assuming Harden gets back, can continue to put up over 80 points a game, they probably won't need too much help in the scoring department, but it will be an interesting balance to see as the playoffs progress. Uh, and Brooklyn, uh, they they, you know, they weren't left unscathed with injuries as well, as Jeff Green had to sit out the last three games with a plantar fashion in his foot. I don't think he played today, and he'll be reevaluated later in the week. And, you know, look, they withstood Green's injury in the first round, but if he's unable to return for the, re- the second round, that could ultimately play a significant factor down the road because Green was a, a primary defender on Jason Tatum He did a good job and I still say that Brooklyn is going to need to show me something more on defense as these playoffs go on. They're going to face tougher competition. Uh, the Bucks stunk today. They couldn't throw a pee in the ocean. Uh, I'm not a big Bucks guy. I think they've been anointed before ever deserving anything. But you're still going to have to beat it four times in two weeks. And in and, and Brooklyn, even in their prior series, they showed signs of stringing together solid stretches of defense. They'll play defense for a bit, then not so much. But if they're knocking down their shots like they were today, that's all they're going to need in the end. Okay, so I've talked about Brooklyn. How about Philadelphia? It really doesn't hurt. I checked that. It really doesn't help that Joel Embiid is out, right? Right now, the Philadelphia Sixers, if you have faith in them, you can get them an 8-1 to uh, to win the championship. Uh, they were 18-1 to had you grabbed them last October. Look, uh, they retooled, right? They're supposed to be better. They bring in a new president of basketball operations, Daryl Morey, a new coach, Doc Rivers, Two new starters, Danny Green and Seth Curry. And for the most of this season, you know, they were near the top of the uh, Eastern Conference, and they finished with the top seed, the Sixers did. And and the big reason for that was the play of Joel Embiid, who will not be available tomorrow against this upstart Atlanta team, who's 31-12 and since the coaching change. But even with Embiid, the biggest, I got to tell you, the biggest concern about Philadelphia can they score enough? I mean, again, they've got the obvious potential for injury, which they've they've shown. And by the way, they've they are willing and able to play suffocating defense when they've got their team as a whole. Their defense ranked number two, and they were, you know, their offense ranked thirteenth, which sometimes their offense gets bogged down because they got a bunch of streaky three point shooters. But look, they are one of the handful of teams that I would say has a legitimate shot to win it. Everything's got to go just about right for them. And so with, you know, Brooklyn and Milwaukee duking it out, one of them is going to be knocked out. So, you you know, we've been hearing about the process uh, since Moby Dick was a minnow. If Philly doesn't reach the Eastern conference finals, which they haven't done in 20 years, by the way, they haven't won a championship since 83, the most recent of any of these teams in the field. So it's a wide open tournament. The bottom line, uh, Philly's alive, but they got to do it. And they, in, in case you're wondering, they are allowing 50% capacity at Wells Fargo Arena. I'm not sure how much Home Court Advantage matters anymore, but you've got that. Uh, we've already talked about Brooklyn. Look, they've got they're loaded with talent. I think the, the biggest concern is getting through their post in, their post season injury free. Uh, you know, again, a hamstring is not something to. Mess around with it can linger and you know if they if Harden tries to come back too soon It could be a situation where it hampers him the entire playoffs. So anyway, and it, this it's somehow I Again, I'm not sold on them, but we'll see what happens. This is a team that has championship aspirations and Their their top three players only played a total of ten games together, but they are an incredibly offensively potent team and uh, You know the Barclays Center was rocking pretty good today. So We'll see what they can do. All right, the Bucks. Look, the Bucs had two dominant regular seasons, but each, each time it failed to translate into any kind of postseason success. They changed their approach. Uh, Budenholzer realized he needed to be more flexible with his schemes at both ends of the floor. I think I give them top credit. They pushed all their chips to the center of the table to get Drew Holiday from the Pelicans. He's been fantastic. Huge upgrade over Eric Bledsoe. At point guard, and he plays great defense. They also had P.J. Tucker. Again, they didn't look good today because when your shots don't go in the basket, everything looks worse. The big, you know, the biggest concern is will the changes translate to postseason success? Because it has not happened in the past. Um, the Bucks, by the way, at the Pfizer Forum at their home uh, court, they're going to be allowed fifty percent uh, capacity. One other thing. The Bucs are the first team to average 120 points per game in the regular season since the 1984-85 Denver Nuggets, who, by the way, didn't win anything. But entering this season, 22 teams have averaged 120 points per game in a season, and four of those actually went on to win the title, the 72 Lakers, the 67 Philadelphia 76ers, and then the Celtics twice. But that was so long ago, you weren't even born yet. Nobody was born yet. One team I want to talk about, the Atlanta Hawks. They've really impressed me. It seems like we've seen two different seasons from the Hawks who were completely out of the East playoff picture at 14 and 20 when Lloyd Pierce was removed from his duties. But they've gone 31 and 12 under interim coach. I think you might have to remove that interim tag. Nate McMillan and... Uh, You know, uh, there's clearly a healthy Bogdan Bogdanovich has been an incredibly key part of the turnaround. He averaged 18 points a game since the coaching change. And Atlanta's second-unit lineups without their starting point guard, uh, Trey Young, that is their downfall. That seems to be their biggest liability. But they turned it into a strength, actually. And, And so the Hawks, I thought, looked really good against the Knicks. In the first round and the moment was not too big for them i heard folks say well don't be too hard on julius Randle, the knicks it was his first playoffs well how about trey young It was his first as well which leads me to what might have been their biggest concern how we were having this conversation a week ago playoff inexperience, experience because of atlanta's top five scores only center clint capella has ever appeared in the playoffs and i i guess the bottom line is since they've already won a playoff round you've kind of got to throw that out out the window right now right so but I think if 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 Bogdanovich can continue to play the majority of the minutes that Young doesn't, and and they can c- continue to get the same, Atlanta can continue to get the same kind of production without their star on the floor. They've got a puncher's chance. They're only a two point underdog tomorrow, in Philadelphia. And without Joel Embiid, frankly, I like Atlanta tomorrow. They they look fearless to me, and uh, they they move well. Uh, they share the ball. They Trey Young and that little floater, that it seems like he can't stop it, and he seems to have uplifted this team, and they're very confident. Having said all that, there's really no reason for me to think they can win this second-round series, but anything can happen. I think this is a wide-open tournament, right? And I, I also think that there are no great teams. And if, if Joel Embiid is not healthy, I don't care what anybody says – the Philadelphia, the Philadelphia 76ers, they are just not the same. So there you have it. I think you've got three or four teams in the East that if any one of them, if, if it ended up being Milwaukee, uh, certainly if it ended up being Brooklyn, uh, you know, if it ended up being Philadelphia, if they can stay healthy, really wouldn't surprise me uh, if either of those teams, any of those teams advanced on to the NBA Finals and faced, I, I'm not sure who comes out of the West. I can tell you that Utah is a prohibited favorite, but uh, again, it's a wide-open tournament with the Lakers going down, and I think the, the, the playoffs have been fun to watch. Uh, particularly, I'm looking forward to the Clippers. Dallas, by now you know uh, the Clippers are a six and a half, seven point favorite tomorrow, but the visiting team has won every game, and on paper you would think that the Clippers mull through the West now, but for whatever reason, the hole is not as great as the sum of its parts, and the Clippers cannot stand prosperity. Remember, last year they won first, the first round, and then they had Denver down three games to one. Denver claws all the way back. The Clippers lose game seven unceremoniously by 15 points. Not a good look. Well, tomorrow they get a chance of redemption, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You know, Discover matches all the cash back you earn – on your credit card at the end of your first year it's amazing because discover is accepted at 99 percent of the places in the u.s that take credit cards learn more at discover.com yes 2021 nielsen report limitations apply coming up the stanley cup playoffs are raging and the vegas golden knights are hot ticket here in town in their four years of existence they've made the playoffs all four years the stanley cup finals their first year but they've slightly regressed And they're up against it, down two to one, against a very game fast, talented Colorado Avalanche team. Game four is tomorrow. We'll bring on Chris Chapman of the Las Vegas Golden Knights, the Vegas Golden Knights broadcast team to talk about the Knights and the Stanley Cup playoffs. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Outta Vegas. Straight of Vegas! The great Bernie Fratto, folks.
0: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
5: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
7: We are
6: back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto, coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Let's welcome in a gentleman. We worked together for many years on the UNLV runner Rebels pre and post game broadcasts. He's with our local Fox Sports affiliate here in Las Vegas, part of the Vegas Golden Knights broadcast team. Say hello to Chris Chapman. Chris, how are you, buddy? I'm not too bad, Bernie. Yourself? Great, and it was an exciting game last night as the uh, Vegas Golden Knights got back into the series. Uh, let's talk about this from the standpoint of winning the whole thing. Give me a reason the Golden Knights can win the Stanley Cup final this year, win, you know, win the Stanley Cup, and give me a reason why they might not win the Stanley Cup.
8: Well, the reason they would win it is because of the guy they've got between the pipes. a Trophy finalist three-time Stanley Cup winner, guy who knows what it takes to get the job done, first ballot Hall of Famer, third all-time in wins, and that's Mark andre Fleury. The guy's had a phenomenal season. He's playing extremely well in the playoffs. Uh, He's the guy right now that's carrying this team. A reason why they may not, I worry about their scoring. Uh, they seem to struggle when they don't uh, put up three, three or more goals. In fact, if you look at their record over the last two seasons in the playoffs when they score less than three goals, they don't win too many games. Uh, Mark Stone, he's the guy who, who kind of carries the torch for this team. He's kind of slow to get going so far in this series with Colorado, but they've gotten some scoring from other places in the playoffs. So, uh, but that's the, that's the one thing. It's the, it's the scoring that worries me. I don't know where it's going to come from at times from the bottom six skaters.
6: Uh, good point. All excellent points. I know of uh, being here locally that three goals seems to be the magic market with about four and a half minutes to go last night, Chris, down to Colorado, two to one. They managed to cobble two goals inside of a minute. What did you see that you thought enabled them to do that?
8: Well, it's funny because on, in game two, they, they peppered Philip Grubauer and they couldn't seem to get anything past him. They only scored two goals. They ended up losing that game in overtime, 3-2 to two to Colorado. But it was kind of a, a, a goofy goal scored by Jonathan Marsh, so It yes. kind of looked like Grubauer was a little slow to get over. Marcioso kind of played it off. It looked like it hit the back of Grubauer's leg and went in. It did. And then the second, the second goal that they scored, Nick Holden shoots it, and it was tipped by Max Pacioretty. But Grubauer looked like he was standing up, and he wasn't really playing the puck. So it was two kind of goofy goals that went in, but you know what? You take them how, how they come, and and for all the, the bad luck the Golden Knights had in Game 2, they hit a bunch of posts, they went wide a couple times. They kind of earned those goals, and I know that they were kind of goofy, but they really outplayed Colorado last night. They outplayed them in Game 2 when they were just unfortunate. So, you know, it's the kind of thing where, where sometimes you, you, you take a
6: little puck luck, and the Golden Knights had it last night. Talking with Chris Chapman, part of the broadcast team, Vegas Golden Knights Network here on the local Fox Sports radio affiliate. Chris, uh, f- in three years ago this month, the Vegas Golden Knights did the unthinkable by advancing to the Stanley Cup finals in their first season, even winning game one against the Washington Capitals before falling. Does this team live in that team's shadow somewhat? I think they do because year one was so special.
8: It, it, it was, it was something that we'll probably never see again in pro sports, at least not in our lifetimes. And the way the team rallied around the tragedy of 1 October, the way the city rallied around the team after that, you had guys like Derek England who were kind of journeymen, who had played all over in the ECHL, who called Las Vegas home, being the special part of that team. You had William Carlson, a relatively unknown fourth liner from the Blue Jackets, he puts up 43 goals. You have the misfit line of Jonathan Marshall, along with Riley Smith and William Carlson. They had their best seasons, probably, of their careers. It's just something so special. You had a special group of guys. And, you know, I think a lot of times you, it, it's kind of unfair because it was just so special to try to compare this year and that year. But the reality is, that year was just something that, that was so magical that I don't know if we'll ever see it again in sports.
6: So let's look to Montreal. They're up 2-0 in their series after falling behind 3-1. Winnipeg looked very good in their series. Who do you think advances there? I, I, if you would have
8: asked me at the beginning of the series, I would have told you Winnipeg. I, right. I feel like like they're deeper. Um, uh, Hellebuck is, is a, the reigning Vezina Trophy winner, obviously the best goalie. Um, Carrie Price, although, is a really good goalie for Montreal. But I would have I would have told you Winnipeg was going to advance just because I feel like they were better top to bottom. Right now, I mean, it's not like I'm, I'm going out on a limb here to say Montreal. The suspension of Mark Scheifele was huge. That was a dirty, dirty play, and he, he deserved everything he got in that suspension. I think Montreal right now, they're playing with house money. I mean, it's obviously a term we like to use here in Vegas, right, house money. But Montreal's got nothing to lose. They look really loose. It looks like Carey Price is on another planet right now. He, he's phenomenal. Um, they're, getting, they're getting a lot of scoring from, from a lot of different places. I mean, I don't want to say Team of Destiny, but right now they, they look like they're, they're, they're on a, uh, the road to, to the semifinals here in the NHL, the Final Four.
6: After winning the championship last year, Tampa Bay looks scary. They're about to dispose of Carolina. But look at Barry Trotz, head coach of the New York Islanders. He was the coach of the Washington Capitals who beat – the Vegas Golden Knights back in 2018 they're 2-2 locked up with Boston should the Golden Knights advance to the Stanley Cup finals which of those teams worries you the most i think
8: i uh, i, I want to say the islanders because they they play a, a bit of ugly hockey right like they like to muck it up i mean they've got some guys who could play obviously anthony Beauvillier and and matthew Barzal, but Barry Trotz is, is a master tactician. I mean, he's the guy who, who was the mastermind behind the Capitals winning that Stanley Cup just a couple of years ago, unfortunately right. coming at the expense of the Golden Knights. It just seems like they're, they're goaltending. It doesn't matter who they play. They, they, they run a rotation. Both guys are, are phenomenal. Sorokin and uh, Varlamov have had phenomenal seasons. that's a rotation that works really well Um I think they, I think Vegas can go toe-to-toe with Tampa. It's the Islanders that kind of scare me because it just seems like it's just a, such a bad matchup. And like I mentioned before with Vegas, the depth scoring worries me. And if the Islanders are able to kind of shut down the top two lines of the Golden Knights, I just don't know how they would be able to win a series against the Islanders.
6: We're wrapping it up with Chris Chapman, part of the broadcast team for the Vegas Golden Knights. Chris, I just got about 30 seconds Game four tomorrow night. What decides who wins it between Colorado and Vegas?
8: Well, I think it's a coin flip. These two teams are so evenly matched throughout game one of this series. That was that was just a, a, a something you probably aren't going to see again. The second and third games have been really more what, what I'd expect. I think Vegas behind the home crowd is going to get the job done. I mean, it sounds like a homer pick, but I really think this team played inspired last night in front of it, 17,000-plus. I think they're going to do it again tomorrow. It's going to be a really close game. If Vegas can stay out of the penalty box, they'll win the game.
6: Well, that's so true with that Colorado power play. All right. Thanks so much, Chris. Appreciate you joining us tonight. Yeah, no problem, buddy. Talk to you soon. All right. That is Chris Chapman, part of the Las Vegas, the Vegas Golden Knights broadcast team here in Las Vegas. Tomorrow night, game four. I believe, face-off 5.30 p.m. against Colorado. Colorado currently has a 2-1 lead in that series. It's been a pretty exciting Stanley Cup playoffs so far. We don't talk much hockey on this show, very little, but sometimes I think it's appropriate. Now is one of those times. But Coming up, you may have forgotten the name Deshaun Watson. Well, don't, because I've got an update there. Plus, as promised, one scheduling quirk. We'll do one every week until an NFL scheduling quirk. We'll do one every week until Kickoff and why the book's so happy that the Lakers are gone, I will explain. But first, hey, let's go to the man. He's so cool when he pulls up to a stoplight. Panhandlers give him money. It's Bruin Finley with the latest.
9: Yeah, they give me Monopoly money. The Nets, offending without James Harden, who injures his hamstring and still managed Brooklyn to overcome the Bucks 115-107 in Game One of their second-round NBA playoff series. Harden had a reported MRI, and his status for the rest of this series is unknown. Afterwards, Kyrie Irving tried to make sense of this latest come or this latest setback.
0: It's never easy to lose anybody, especially this time of the year where we just want to have fun playing basketball and playing the right way and competing at a high level. We're obviously out there for bigger reasons. So when uh, you see the game be snatched away so early from one of our brothers, uh, we feel for him. And we just had to make a quick adjustment and just adjust from there. That's the best thing we can do.
9: Blake Griffin played a big part in that adjustment. He had an out-of-body experience with 18 points and 14 rebounds. John Rahm kisses away a 54-hole lead at the Memorial Tournament. Forced to withdraw after testing positive for coronavirus, he misses out on a first-place check, coming in at a balmy $1.6 million. PGA Tour officials alerted him of this test after he finished up on 18 on Saturday. Colin Morikawa and Patrick Cantlay rise to first by default. Both are at 12 under overall. NHL second round playoffs. The Lightning shovel out four unanswered goals to erode the Hurricane 6-4, claiming a 3-1 series lead. The Islanders score three times in the third period to wreck the Bruins 4-1 to make it 2-2. In baseball, the Mets shut down the Padres 4-0. Jacob deGrom, seven innings, three hits, 11 strikeouts. The Athletics water down the Rockies 6-3. Oakland up has a 10 game uh, advantage over 500 in the standings as far as their record is concerned. The Braves blitz the Dodgers 6-4. Clayton Kershaw suffers his fifth loss of the season. The Giants nick up the Cubs 4 to 3. San Fran leads the NL West by 2 games over San Diego and the Red Sox turn down the Yankees 7 to 3. Boston batted 4 for 9 with runners in scoring position. With that we bounce the basketball back to our man from Vegas, a man who knows poker machines like I know Legos. It's Bernie Fredo.
6: <laughs> oh, man. That is Bruin Finley, the, the silver-tongued devil. Thanks so much, uh, Brian. You know, Discover Matches, all of the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because... Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes, 2021 Nielsen Report limitations apply. All right, you haven't heard the name Deshaun Watson in a while, but I'm following the story, and as I said at the top of the show, what is the significance of Deshaun Watson and 48 hours? I will explain. Now, first of all, according to the reports uh, that I've seen, uh, Watson's legal team, uh, well, they can begin deposing the plaintiffs who've all filed a civil case against the quarterback as early as September, right, as early as. can you be, September 13th, and it's going to drag out forever. According to the docket, starting September 13th, each accuser will be allowed at six hours in their own personal deposition starting on September 13th, of which two of those hours, it's my understanding, when Deshaun Watson is deposed next February, starting February, I think, 22nd or something, or sometime in February of 2022, Deshaun Watson will be deposed. The duration for his deposition will be four hours, but when his accusers give their depositions, Watson can also be interviewed by his accusers for two hours pertaining to each case. That means when you add it all up between Watson's 22 accusers and his own personal deposition, 48 hours of questioning is what Deshaun Watson could be facing. Now, for the record, Watson's lawyer, Rusty Harden, has stated that all the acts between Watson and his accusers were consensual. By the way, meanwhile, the NFL is currently investigating Watson's actions subject to the league's personal conduct policy. The Texans haven't commented yet on the status of Watson moving forward with their team, but it's expected he will be traded – at some point, I would just say this. This isn't going away anytime soon. Uh, they're not even starting deposition until September, and that's for the plaintiffs, and Watson won't be deposed till after the Super Bowl. How was your day? Speaking of the NFL scheduling, I told you every week we've, we've got kind of a scheduling quirk highlight that I want to share with you. Uh, did you know that this year all 32 teams will be showcased at least one primetime game in 2021? That's only the second time in the last six years that everybody got their turn under the lights. The other year that happened was 2018. So mark your calendars. No matter who your favorite team is, you're going to have at least one game in primetime this year. Speaking of primetime, you don't have to to worry about the Lakers being in primetime anymore. That was taken care of by the Phoenix Suns. Oh, boy, the books are so happy. I will tell you, they're off the hook. It's basically a free roll down. The Lakers were by far the number one liability for the sports books. Betters had been pounding their futures odds for seven months, uh, all the way up till the night that it was announced that Anthony Davis would in fact play in the game, people were still putting out futures tickets on the Lakers. Now, while it's regional, uh, depending where you're at in the country, who, who bets on who out here in, in the West and in some shops, I'm told that up to 40% of all futures tickets to win the championship are on the Lakers and up to 45%. Uh, of, of futures tickets for the Lakers just to get to the NBA finals uh, represented the vast majority of you know, futures betting. So what does that mean? It means the books did a second happy dance because in order to win the championship, you've got to get to the NBA championship. And when they didn't, obviously they're eliminated. They're not going to be in the Western Conference finals. That's just more dead money sitting there for the books to use. By the way, the books are now rooting for the Bucks, the Clippers, and the Nets. <clears throat> if the Nets were to win the championship, that actually, at this point, show a small profit. Bucks and Clippers break even pretty much. And by the way, the only team the books are concerned about at this point, where they have actual liability, is are the Atlanta Hawks. Why? Well, when the Atlanta Hawks were 80 to one last October, there were a couple extremely sizable, astronomical bets that came in on them which create a pretty substantial liability. So unless the Hawks win it all, the books, they're absolutely dancing in the aisles right now about the way this is, this is panned out Well, the Lakers are good. It's a problem for the books because people will bet them. And out here in Las Vegas, we're next to California. And the good folks of California come to Vegas all the time. And they like to bet on their home teams. And so when you add it all up, pretty one-sided when it comes to betting on the NBA and the Lakers, by the way, the other finalists last year, the Miami heat, uh, there was a fair amount of action on them early on when the futures uh, numbers were hung, and uh, not so much recently, but doesn't matter because uh, the Hawks were eliminated. And so last year's finalists, Miami and L.A., they're both gone already. Enjoy your summer. We'll see you next year. Enjoy your home version of the game on the way out the door. By the way, one, one final Tebow note. What would the show be without a Tebow note? They actually hung another Tebow prop this week. Will Tim Tebow make the team? Yes, plus 160, which means if you bet $100 and Tebow makes the roster, the Jacksonville Jaguars, you collect $160. No minus 200. You have to put up $200 to win 100. This is on top of the most recent prop that was put out about nine days ago. Will Tim Tebow score over or under two and a half touchdowns this year? And the limit on that was 2,000 per wager, and the handle has been astronomical. I don't think the books had any idea that it would warrant this much action. And to give it some perspective, back in February, there was a Matt Stafford prop that was put up on the board over under touchdown passes, 28 and a half. The first three days that Tim Tebow's props were posted drew more action than Matt Stafford's has in four months. So there you have it. By the way... If you have bet that ticket here in Las Vegas, Tim Tebow must play week one for that ticket to be graded as action. I specifically asked Chuck Esposito several times, what if he makes the team, doesn't play week one, but gets on the field week three? Nope, he's got to play week one. What if he's cut by the Jaguars, ends up somewhere else down the road? Nope, he's got to play week one. Always fun to talk about the NFL. They managed to stay in the news and we all know why. Coming up, you know him, you love me, Kelly, without him, and uh, Mackenzie Rivers will join us uh, for Mackinac Sports. He's got some thoughts on the importance and significance of star power in the NBA and how it pertains to this year's playoffs and why maybe even James Harden getting hurt might be a blessing in disguise. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Fox Sports Radio Studios here in Las Vegas. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Outta Vegas. Straight out of
0: Vegas! One of the best in the business, Bernie Fratto. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals.
6: We're back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Before we go any further, two quick things. First, I want to thank my broadcast team back in Los Angeles. Bo Benson, Brian Finley, and Chris Perfett turning all the dials, keeping us glued together. Great job, as always, guys. I said at the beginning of the show, I have a major announcement. You'll hear a lot more about this in the next four or five weeks. My book, The View from the Cheap Seats, will be out in early July. If you like stories, if you like sports stories, ones I guarantee you've never heard, that you'll never forget, that come from the inside, dealing with a lot of famous people in their daily lives, and some of the famous stories involving sports teams you may not have heard about, you're going to like this book. We'll be talking more about it. But let's get to you know them, you love them, you can't live without them. It's Mackinac Sports from McKenzie Rivers. McKenzie, when James Hard went down the I said, here we go again, But not so much. The NBA has more than just James Harden.
7: Surely does. It's kind of like one of those movie promos. In a world, in an NBA, where there is not one team with X plus one superstars, a.k.a. three superstars when everybody else practically has two. In a world where the Brooklyn Nets 12 hours ago do not exist, we have a tournament, Bernie, where the question, the age-old question, which I think is in flux maybe more than it has ever been, Will be answered at the end of this playoff tournament. Who is actually the best basketball player in the world? I think well, it's been in flux for years, especially because if you look now, AD's better than LeBron. So that championship last year, you know, who gets the credit for that? What do you think, Bernie? I mean, we got we got plenty of options here. I'm looking at three names in particular, and they they're all in that same 32, 33 points per game range, which I like to call. The Jordan range because you know Jordan obviously number one all time with 33 points per game in, for the, his playoffs, career yes. in the playoffs right so you got Luca right there you got Kawhi right there you got Kevin Durant right there who do you think is the best basketball player in the world
6: well it's like picking out your favorite noodle in a plate of spaghetti I think in today's game <laughs> uh, the person that can do the most uh, he's almost inhuman to me is is Kevin Durant but what happens is is these players form super teams. You you and I are in agreement on one thing, and that is I don't hate super teams. People hate right. them. People love them. But here's why that's a good thing, because the opposite of love is not hate. It's indifference. So for people to hate a super team, then you have to have the same emotion invested that if you love that team, I
7: think that creates a tension for the NBA. Absolutely agree with you. And if, if you look at it, I mean i I think about it like this, like when I was happy the day that James Harden got traded to the Nets, I truly was. I look at it like there was you know one time in our lives where all the best rock and rollers were pretty much on the same team. They were called the Beatles in the sixties and they helped rock and roll, they advanced the music, John Lennon working with Paul McCartney and them boys. Uh, It it advanced the music. It made music better than we ever saw before. So I was happy to see Harden, Irving, and Durant mix up. I think it's going to – I think it has, the last two weeks, been the best offense maybe ever in the history of the game that we've been able to witness. Just three talents, Elgin Baylor, Jerry West, and Wilt Chamberlain style just – at the very top of the game. So I was excited to see it. But this is cool, too, especially if it's if, if it's just this series, because then Kevin Durant can say, and I think he is the best, either him or Kawhi, one's kind of offense and great, one's kind of defense and great. They're both great on both sides of the ball. But I think if Kevin Durant can beat this Bucks team without Harden, that's it. He's in the catbird seat. He's the favorite to win the title. They're plus 155 now. Their odds ticked up a little bit, but obviously the Harden question looms large. But uh, minus two fifty to win the series, and I think that that's a huge moment in the 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 legacy of one of of probably the greatest scorer that we've ever seen, pure scorer. Well, I'll tell you what, we have a situation now though where
6: tomorrow Kawhi Leonard has a chance to throw his name into the mix, because let's face it, if he if they advance and the Clippers move on to take it to the finals, he has a shot to win his third team with uh, check that his third championship. With three different teams, just like LeBron, doesn't he mention, doesn't he get
7: some, uh, you know, some mention here? The great Michael Jordan was worth six points to the line, and I'm going to shock you here. Without James Harden, Kevin Durant, and on the current Clippers team, Kawhi Leonard in 2021 is worth six points to the line. Mackenzie, are you crazy? Are you going to say that Michael Jordan and Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard are equal? No. Totals are up 10%, so you get a 10% bump up right there. And these are very differently constructed teams. They don't have the championship pedigree of a Phil Jackson-led squad. I think the Clippers, without Kawhi Leonard, have have no uh, grit. But with Kawhi Leonard, we just saw him score 45 points and only 25 shots. 80% shooting in a closeout game, true shooting. That's the kind of stuff of legend. And it wasn't even the best part of the game on his behalf. He shut down Kawhi Leonard, only 5 for 16 shooting in this series when he's guarding. I'm sorry, Luke Kawhi Leonard shut down Luka Doncic, and I think he's going to do it again. Best bet, real quick, Luka Doncic under 32 and a half points. This total six points lower than the last game. Why isn't Luka's total any lower? Game sevens are tough to score in. Only two ten to score is the game in the total. So I'm like Luca under thirty-two and a half is my best bet, Bernie. You know,
6: I kind of like the Mavericks and the points tomorrow, McKenzie. So uh I, I'm with you. They they'll seem to correlate if uh if Luca goes off tomorrow. Well, you know, we'll see what
7: happens. I'm very much going to enjoy it. All right, good stuff, McKenzie. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on, Bernie. I'm excited to read uh the view from the cheap seats. All right, bud Stent.
6: That, that's it, The View from the Cheap Seats. We'll be hearing a lot more about that over the next few weeks. It's out in early July. That is the man. You know him, awesome. you love him, you can't live without him, Mackenzie Rivers, bringing the data, bringing all the good stuff for the NBA. That is going to do it for this week's edition of Straight Out of Vegas. So I want to thank Chris Chapman of the Vegas Golden Knights uh, for joining us and very much looking forward to two exciting NBA playoff games tomorrow. All right. Next up, Jason Martin, the man from Nashville. He brings it strong. I'm Bernie Frato, reminding you, keep it locked right here on Fox Sports Radio.